Hey, Danger Dangers here with a quick announcement. The nomination window for the 2024 Crit Awards closes on May 31st, and it would mean the world to us to have your help getting on the ballot. A link to the nomination form, as well as a document with some of our suggested responses, is in the episode description. But that being said, please feel free to vote for whichever shows you are most passionate about. Thank you for listening, and now, back to the show. Dean Dark is an absurd, over-the-top comedy horror adventure that is intended for older audiences. Content warnings can be found in the episode descriptions. Hello and welcome to Dean Dark, a comedy horror adventure real play podcast loosely based on Dungeons and Dragons 5th edition and starring some of history's most infamous monsters. I'm Danger Dangers, and I'm your host slash Crypt Keeper. Hi, I'm Ben Magnet, and I play Mary Frankenstein, our party's barbarian. And last time, uh, so the good news is we got out of Warwick Castle. The bad news is, is that Dracula essentially hypnotized not only London, but I could only assume the entirety of England, or as Frankenstein once said it, English into thinking that if it looks like a monster, walks like a monster, talks like a monster, then it's a monster that needs to die. So, yeah, that's not good. And then, of course, unbeknownst to the rest of the party, our good friend Imhotep is having a good old fun time down in hell with our devil lord, Asmodeus. And, um, shit's bad, y'all. Shit is really, really bad. Thankfully, Maleva showed up in the nick of time, was able to get into their carriage, and we were able to run away because we had an angry mob chase after us, and that triggers something in Frankenstein's monster. So, who's ready for some feelings talk? I'm so ready. Never. (laughs) Hi, I'm Jordan. I play Larry Talbot, a lycanthropic warlock. And last time, Larry managed to awaken back in his human form, with two different messages in his pocket. One that Maleva was on her way and a terrifying idea that Maleva's heading straight towards Dracula, guns a-blazing. So Larry had one thought in his mind. I got to get up. I got to get back to the surface and I got to make sure she's okay. And then the other little message in his pocket is a good little pocket pal. That ensured that he was able to get out of Warwick Castle in one piece. So that'll that be an interesting... That fucker won't die. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. Um, but yes, I was able to regroup with my friends. We got surrounded by mobs. Luckily, Maleva showed up just in time to not be attacked by anyone, but to rather rescue us from the mods. And now we're making our escape now. We would have been fine. Mm, You went outside and said, nope. (laughs) (laughs) Hello, I am Grayson. I play Jack Griffin, the Invisible Man, the party's rogue. So last time Jack was much more quiet than... I guess normal. Uh, At the end, he started talking a little bit more, lied to a crowd, convinced them to go and look for the actual monsters inside the castle. And we finally got out of there. Um, I don't know. He's struggling with a few things. But luckily, we've got we've got Maleva. We've got the entire crew. Well, mostly the entire crew. He's in the bag. Yeah. (laughs) Hopefully we're going to I don't know. Uh, come to an understanding with uh, with what our current situation is. Hello, everyone. I'm Aaron. I play the Phantom of the Opera, our bard. 
Last time I set right to work, making use of that pretty little book Emotep left me. I learned the turn off spell and I executed it perfectly. (laughs) (laughs) Which I thought we'd never hear a bard say. (laughs) And then I also finally pulled off the trick I've been trying to forever, which is starting a tiny hut in the middle of combat, impenetrable and perfect. The enemies were inside it which was not really the plan <laughs> uh and then we escaped through uh you know maleva whatever thanks i guess hello my name is daniel cruz and i played the angry british mob last week <laughs> and also i guess imhotep the currently human soul cleric uh in hell so as Medeus gave me some very interesting information about our friend Dracula. Which I'm excited about. I'm very interested to see where that goes. Oh, yeah. And told me that he wants me to return to the realm of the living to deliver to him two souls. Uh, One of them is Dracula. The other one may or may not be our friend, the Phantom. It may not be, right? (laughs) It may or may not. I'm leaning towards may not, but I mean, who knows? I don't know. But uh, yeah, instead of being really chill and just letting me go, he said, hey, here's this boulder. You ever heard of Sisyphus? He had a great time down here. (laughs) So I have the literally Sisyphean task of going all the way up through nine layers, having to talk to people while never letting go of this boulder. Your side quest rocks. My side quest is a blast. Hi, everybody. I'm Janae. I play Carmilla Karnstein, our blood huntress. Carmilla is having a crisis. You keep having crises. I, I, you know, and yet I haven't cried yet. So is it really a crisis? It's okay. That's just me. Uh, Larry decided in his infinite wisdom that he was going to fly by the seat of his pants (laughs) and thus alert every single um, chatterbox in London of our... That happened before. We were already spotted. We bungled it up faster. (laughs) Yeah, well... It was uh, was a mixture of things. There was was a human flying (laughs) and also there was a great stealth roll. <laughs> yeah, we we really knocked that out of the park. I'm so oh, yeah. very proud of us. Uh, it, it was several factors contributing to yes, it. It was good. Um, and Maleva pulled in like freaking Akira on a motorcycle, picked us all up, and now we're rattling our way back down to God knows where because, you know, we're kill on sight. Super good. So with that... You guys have a lot to process. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. As we're traveling back to get our carriage, can I hop in the front seat with Maleva for a sec? Sure. Go ahead and do your card of the day, too. We've got the Hierophant and the Empress. Hierophant gives me proficient religion. Bonus is doubled. Once per short rest, you can use cleric ability. Turn undead. But you can only turn a single creature. Nah. Empress, you're considered proficient in persuasion, and your proficiency bonus is doubled. Once per short rest, you can cast Suggestion without expending a Warlock spell slot. Um, Empress! Okay, so anyway, you said you wanted to go to the front seat? Yeah, yeah. Um, hey, uh, Maleva, can I speak with you? Uh, yes, Lawrence, I, I've been wanting to speak with you as well. I, I am very concerned that you had a wolf encounter on a night that was not a full moon. I do not even know how that is possible. That is what 
brought this whole endeavor to my attention. I, I, I know, I know. It's, um, it's one of the strange things that the, the cards are able to do for me. She's going to look at you with confusion. Oh, she doesn't know. Interesting. Um, so, Maleva, I was able to do that on command. Which, that being said, you could only imagine the dire situation that I would do something like that in. Things have gotten so much worse. The color is draining out of her as you are saying this. I know. And she says, Lawrence, I need you to tell me exactly what happened. We were following Rainer down into Warwick Castle, and we found him there, and he's trying to summon someone. Uh, later, we found out that Rainer is not actually Rainer, but rather Renfield. And Maleva Dracula is back. He's alive again. That is... that is concerning. I now understand what the cards were leading us to those few weeks ago back at the cathedral. Now please, I, I do not mean to keep harping on the same point, but you are able to change into the wolf on command? Yes, I mean, sort of. It's only when I'm... when I pull the moon card. But that doesn't... that doesn't matter. What matters is... I only got your message that Lawrence, you were... the cards are not supposed to be able to do that. They're not? I gave you those cards as a means of communication and divination to offer you some guidance. If you are drawing something else from out of those cards, then that means that you have gotten unspeakably powerful in a staggeringly short amount of time. Oh. Um, I wasn't aware. But ne never mind that. Uh... I, I, the reason, okay, so the reason I wanted to talk to you, Maleva, is when I got your messages, when I came back from being the wolf, I, I of course, heard that you were heading this way, and I, I was terrified. Obviously, I wasn't myself. I didn't know how much time had passed, so when I heard you were heading here, I was, I was scared to death that you were running right into the belly of the beast, that you were going to be right in front of Dracula and, and either enthralled with him or, or, or worse, and... Malefa, that terrified me. Um, so, I... I have... <sighs> Malefa, I can't lose you. You are the closest thing I have to family at this point, and I just... I need to make sure that you're safe, and so I have to ask that you don't come after me anymore. Should have stayed away when I told you. <laughs> Maleva's gonna hear your outburst chuckle to herself and say under her breath, a oh, two-faced bastard. <laughs> Damn. God, I love her. Ah, Maleva. Now, Lawrence, I understand and appreciate your concern. It does mean a considerable amount to me. That being said, you know my history. I have lived a very long time, and you know I have no fear of death. I've encountered far too much of it within my lifetime. And I know that my time on this earth is brief. That being said, I am still incredibly concerned about not just your well-being, but what that means for the future of this curse that you bear. And, and that's the thing, Maleva. I know you're as, you're a tough-as-nails old woman. Hell, you'd give Mary a run for his money for just pure intimidation alone. You've gone through protecting so many generations from werewolves. 
and you've survived through so much, but in in my journey here and and realizing what my cards mean, all this has made me realize that no one ever seems to survive Larry. So so I need you to take care of yourself and and keep yourself safe. Okay? Cuz cuz the werewolf it isn't your responsibility, Maleva. Even before you've helped me, I was already way far in your debt, but at this point there's nothing I could do to ever repay you. So all I ask you is just you <laughs> you just go forward and you take care of yourself, okay? It's it's my problem, not yours. <laughs> Things were simpler before I knew you, Lawrence Talbot. Although I mourn aspects of it, I do not mourn the life I had before we crossed paths. Listen, you concern me, and you irritate me, and you scare the ever-loving daylights out of me with everything that you do and everything that you are becoming. But you have grown considerably from the scared young man whose fortune I read those years ago, and I would be lying if I said I was not proud of you. If you have moved beyond me, then so be it. But I need you to hear a few words of advice before I go on my way. I am not going to ask you to be cautious or careful, because look me in the eyes and honestly tell me that anyone in this band of misfits, this, this mash of monsters that you travel with, <laughs> has ever exercised a lick of caution. Have any of you ever gone into a situation with a plan before? Literally every time. <clears throat> I know the carnage that you wreak, and shut up, theater man. <laughs> <laughs> so I am not going to ask you not to be reckless. I know who you are. And I know that that is a fool's errand. What I will ask is that no matter what happens, no matter what situations you find yourselves in, no matter what plan of attack you take going forward, be clever and be true to yourself. Do not lose sight of the man who insists he is not a good man. I know, I know, you hate it when I tell you this. He's going to just kind of sink into his shoulders a little bit. <laughs> you do not have to believe it, but do not lose that struggle to retain your morality. All I ask is that going forward, you be crafty, you be resourceful, and you be Lawrence Talbot. Can you promise me that? He wasn't going to cry today, but I guess he's going to just well up in tears. He's like... Oh, come here, you old bitty, and just bring her into a hug. <laughs> Don't hug me while I'm holding the reins! <laughs> and the, the carriage veers wildly off to the side. I don't go senile up there until you've gotten us back to our car, Ridge. <laughs> oh my god. Fine, fine, even you, theater man. <laughs> you have my blessing as well. Now tell me where you parked. Uh, just, uh, hmm, where did we park? Do you remember I think where just... that sanitarium was? Or maybe is? I don't, I don't know what state it might be in. Yeah, the perception filter should be gone, right? Well, last time I remembered, it got a little hot in there. Oh, that's right. 
there's a smoldering crater where there used to be a medical facility. <laughs> we parked pretty close to there, if you can believe it. Mm-hmm. I would be surprised if you didn't. So I will drive towards the pillar of flames off in the horizon. <laughs> Wait, is it still burning? I mean, what did they have to combat it? Buckets of water? <laughs> so Maleva's going to course correct. She's going to start heading back towards the asylum. And she says, you all have grown on me somewhat. And although I do not trust you in the traditional sense, I trust that you will all be effective. Now, what is your plan? Do you know what Dracula is after? If nothing else, I can offer my wisdom and guidance before I move on, since it is clear to me that you have grown beyond me. Nah, I've got a plan. I don't need you. (laughs) I just look over to Phantom's like, do you want me to give you another black eye? No. (laughs) Then shut up. Um, he said, God, poor... He was so scary. I don't remember what he said. Um, (laughs) I was just in terror. Uh, He was convincing the countryside to hunt down monsters. I don't know why he would do that, being a vampire and all, but he seems to have most of the countryside convinced as far as we can tell. I see. I can do some divination on my own times and consult the cards and see if I can get any more information. Is there, if there is anything else that you can tell me, any specifics, so that I know what I am looking for? Um, I know that Renfield gave him a soul, made him the way Carmilla is. I don't know if there's anything you can do with that, but that's peculiar. Yeah, he said he was going to make him immortal, which is weird, because vampires are already pretty immortal. That is information I can work with. All right, okay. Yeah, theater man strikes again. (laughs) (laughs) That is very fascinating information indeed. If he does have a soul now, then that means that they are operating on a time crunch because he will not be able to retain that soul for long. So whatever it is they are planning, it has to happen soon. Now you said... They were after immortality, perhaps, and this is, this is just speculation, but perhaps he is looking for a way to retain the benefits of vampirism without any of the inherent weaknesses, since vampires do have a sort of eternal youth, but they are, as you have seen, they are killable. Mm. I learned how to do this, give him a tadpole. <laughs> what? A Baldur's Gate reference. Yeah. Oh, good game, y'all should play it. Anyway, um, <laughs> so Maleva says that and says, I will, I will consult my reference material. I'm, this is so fascinating to me because what might he want with a soul and why would he risk taking one on knowing that it would incinerate within him in a matter of a few weeks at most? It, it is a, a blood hunter's soul. Did we ever tell you about Vordenberg? That name sounds vaguely familiar. He was a, a very powerful blood hunter that was actually um, coming after Carmilla for some time. Um, I remember uh, Renfield said it had to be a blood hunter soul or else it would burn up too quickly. So maybe, maybe that'll buy them a bit more time. I don't know. Either way, in the state that he is in, there's not any viable way for that soul to remain indefinitely within that body. So like I said, whatever they are planning... It has to happen soon. Yeah, any information you can gather for us, we would gladly take. But 
but good to know we've got some time. I have a request, if you, if you can. Yes, what is your request? My father, Victor Frankenstein, is up in Northampton. He's different. He looks a lot worse on the outside, but he is harmless, and as long as you mention my name, no harm should come to you. If you can consult him, he might also have a way to help. You said Northampton, correct? Yes, Northampton. He's based out in the church. All right, that will be my next destination after we part ways. But before you go, I think you also need to know this. And I turned to everyone else and was like, as well all of you should. When we went to the sanitarium, or at least into the ethereal plane, after that weird episode with the, uh, I don't know, you know, the giant bowl, the milk, the the caricatures of us, I don't know. I don't know what that hell that place was. Oh my god, you guys all experienced that too? Wait, what? You too? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was weird, right? I was swimming in milk. It was awful. It got everywhere. Uh, anyways, when I came back, I wasn't in London. I was in Northampton, in the ethereal plane. And somehow Victor was able to talk to me. We weren't able to have a conversation, but he had a message. I'm not a fan of what he's doing. And he told me she's not ready yet. Oh. But she might be able to help us. Oh. He told me he knows loneliness. And even though I haven't felt lonely in the time that we've been traveling together, I haven't known what loneliness was, but he said he was going to build a bride for me. Whoa. And I know I swore an oath to make sure that those who want to follow in my father's footsteps to make creatures like me for nefarious means need to be stopped. But I don't think he's building her as a weapon. I have a feeling that we should give this my so-called pride a chance. I don't know. You said she wasn't a weapon. <laughs> well, if she comes to and she doesn't want to destroy then she's no good to us. But she can still help. Um, Mary, if if it works out and you guys like grow to like each other and everything. That's um, a little far down the road. I'm still trying yeah, to come. Yeah, to I'm just saying if it happens, can can I can I be your best man? <laughs> Inspiration. Thank you. I've never been one and I've always wanted to be and I really care about it and it would be beautiful and I just I'd be so honored but you know you're right you're right it's a long time in the making we'll get there when we get there honestly I'm still trying to process the fact that my father is up to his old tricks again but I feel that he is up to it to help me not be alone because I don't know how long on this earth I have I am made from spare parts and so is this so-called pride that he's building. But I just wanted all of you to know what he is doing. When she comes to, she might be able to help us. Right. And that's not a promise. It's not a guarantee. It is a big, giant maybe. But I just wanted all of you to know what's going on. And I didn't want to spring any more surprises on you. Thank you so much for telling us. That's huge. And I go over to Maleva. I was like, now his methods are unorthodox, but... He has gotten some new abilities with his recent transformation. Just, if you don't like squid, try to look away. <laughs> but I feel that he is trying to do good. And I also want you to give him this. And I give the journal to Maleva. Tell him Renfield had it. As far as I could tell, it's intact. But it was copied. There are copies out in the world. 
and I will do my best to find them all and destroy them without hesitation. I understand, and I will accept this task you have given me. I have seen a great many things, but I do not think I am prepared for what you have described. <laughs> so <laughs> I appreciate the forewarning. I know it's, uh, yeah, it's really hard for me to describe. I feel bad. He shouldn't be turned into that thing that he is now, but oh well. Whatever your complicated history with this man seems to be, it seems as though he means well. I am going to assume and remain cautiously optimistic, yet intensely skeptical, as I cross into his threshold. Just mention my name. Tell him that you know Mary Frankenstein, and no harm should come to you. Ah, she'll be fine. <laughs> I'll be fine. <laughs> Anyway, I believe we have made our way to your stop. And you pull up in front of the blazing inferno that is the sanitarium. I instantly start sweating and go, uh, hot, 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 and I just make a beeline to the carriage. Yeah, this is probably not the best place for uh, for Mary to be at right now. No, no, it's not. As I, as I walk past the carriage window, I'll side-eye Maleva and be like, drive better next time and tip her my one gold coin. She's going to signal to you to stay behind for a second. Ugh, fine. Um, as I leave the carriage, I just want to, like, hold her hands in mine and just go, Thank you, Maleva, for everything. She will nod, but won't say anything. <laughs> I'm coming, Mary! Try and stay cool! And then, with a hand on your shoulder... Phantom, she's going to look you in your good eye, your good black eye. <laughs> Ordinarily, I would not do this because I do not like you. I think you are funny, and I think you have potential. And I know what the others think of you. But I need you to know your fortune. Oh, shit. You are on a dangerous path, and there is a crossroads ahead of you. There is still time, but when I try to divine the status and the fate of the group, this was your fortune. She pulls out a deck of tarot cards, fans them out so that you can see it is a standard deck of tarot cards. Yes, yes. And then flips over the top card, and it is the devil. And then flips over the next card, and it is the devil. And then flips over the next card, and it is the devil. <laughs> Shoot. Yes, we can all do magic, and I'd like to press the digitate three devil cards of my own and wave them in her face. Heed what I have to say, or don't. It is entirely up to you. But your soul, as it stands now, is in jeopardy. And it does not have to be. Mind your actions going forward, and you may still be able to save yourself. I am the phantom because man's hate has made me so. I'm not worried about the path that I'm on. Your cynicism makes a better mask than your porcelain. Ooh. Wait, really? Do I need to get a new one? It, it was a metaphor. Uh, just go. <laughs> <laughs> and she puts away the tarot cards, and you can hear her mutter under her breath as you walk away. I hope it is not too late for him. Um, as Phantom's walking towards the carriage, Jack's going to uh, jog over to Maleva real quick. And the horses have already started to move, and so she stops them, leans over, and says, uh, Yes, did you want something? Um, we 
we recently lost someone and I was wondering if if maybe there's something that we can do and I don't I don't know if it's possible but with all this occult stuff going on and me seeing what everyone else can do is there any chance of bringing someone back not without extraordinarily difficult cost and the person you bring back will not be the same as far as I am aware the only way to return someone back from the dead is without their soul this was inconsequential for vampires since they are already soulless but if you were to bring your friend back you would be reanimating the body without the essential components who make that person who they are who is this person, by the way? I, I don't want to speak in vagaries. <laughs> vagaries. Um, as you can tell, we're we're missing our skeletal friend. That is a shame. I I was fond of that funny skeleton. <laughs> there are ways that you can commune with him. I do not know that there is any way shy of something extraordinarily powerful and reality-breaking. I do not know that there is a way for you to bring him back, but you can at least get some peace, and commune with him. There is some magic that allows you to speak with dead. (laughs) I I don't get it. However, (laughs) you will only be able to get information about what was known in life. You will not get any insight into what has happened to his soul in layers beyond. So here's a fun above table thing. (laughs) So the speak with dead spell as it appears in D&D, you can cast it on a recently deceased and can ask up to five questions. They only know the information they knew in life. They cannot tell you anything about what has happened to them in the afterlife, anything their soul may or may not have experienced in Realms Beyond. That's the D&D version of the spell. We're loosely based on D&D. Yeah. The Necronomicon is not limited to the D&D versions of spells. The Call of Cthulhu system has a variation on Speak with Dead called Contact (laughs) Dead Spirits. If you were to invoke the magic and power that the Necronomicon can summon from past the layers of the world that you exist in, it would take a higher cost and a higher toll, but you could commune with Imhotep as he is now with full knowledge of where he has gone and everything that his soul has experienced in the afterlife. I'm just going to lock in. Whenever we make it to Stratford or our next non-a-tightly-packed carriage location, Phantom's going to skulk away. Oh. Duly noted. Anyway, so Maleva's going to give you that info, and then she'll hand you a scroll of Speak with Dead. Oh, sweet. So Jack can do magic now. (laughs) Here, there is some arcane magic. This is relatively harmless. You can use this to speak and communicate with his departed spirits, but he will not be able to tell you anything more than what he already knew in life. But if nothing else, you can use it to get some closure. Oh. Oh, is there a reason why she'd have a spell like that? Has she used that spell before, Dan? I would assume. Because of the dead kid. That hurts my heart real bad. Oof. Spicy lore. Okay, continue. The sad spicy. I mean, unfortunately, Jack doesn't, at least in this moment, I don't think he would put two and two together. That's okay. Just Jordan's going to cry. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, thank you. Uh, 
next bit of information that I wanted to give to you at least. I don't know if it's any consolation, but we finished off Rainer, and um, I also wanted to make sure that there's hopefully not any more major problems besides the big one that we have right now. She is going to lean in and say, that is good. That is a positive development. Make certain that he is dead. How how would he not be dead? I, I, I did it. I did it myself. Vampires have a tendency for that sort of thing not to stick. Just make certain. I believe you and your capabilities. Just don't let your guard down. There may still be aspects lingering about. And with that, she's going to take off. I just poke my head out the window. I'm like, here we go. This thing isn't getting any cooler. Jack, get in the carriage. It's really freaking hot. It is. Carmilla is just really enjoying watching it burn. You guys do realize that I have a flying broom. Oh, so we could have left. Yeah. I mean, we're not going to leave behind, Jack. Now get in here. All right. Um, He's going to pop on top of the carriage and just kind of like, as we're riding away, just continue to watch it burn. All right. Let's cut back to hell and check in on Imhotep. You have crossed the threshold out of Nessus into Cania. So as you have climbed and pushed the boulder all the way up the rickety staircase of the barren cavey wasteland, the temperature begins to drop as you ascend, and you start to make your way to more craggy, mountainous steps as the snow and the wind begin to pick up and regale you. Oh, I look good in the skirt. It complements my legs, but this does nothing for me when it is cold. And you can see this path before you winding its way up to a mystical arcane portal. And from here, I will hand this over to Jordan. (laughs) Because, for listener information, as of the time of this recording, we are working on a spin-off bonus campaign for our patrons that is set in hell and is co-DM'd by myself and Jordan. And this particular layer is one of hers. You're in my lair now. Oh, continuity. I like it. (laughs) Yes. As you roll up to Cania, the first thing you feel is you feel that just brisk blasting of cold. As to stop and push the skirt down. (laughs) Marilyn Monroe style. I was just going to say Marilyn Monroe this. But as you creep through the portal into Cania, the air is thick with arcane energy. You feel your skin, your spiritual skin, starts to stand up on end as this static electricity. The hairs on my skin, the skin itself. Yeah. Oh God. You're like a, you're like a weird spirit thing. Your skin's gonna do some weird stuff. I don't like how that feels. <laughs> uh, the air smells sour and like ozone. And compared to the complete audio void of the previous lair, where your voice would echo for miles and miles and miles, this lair is deafeningly loud, 
wind is blasting by you, pushing you and your boulder at a diagonal. You hear just the roaring of wind and off in the distance there are bright flashes of light as there is this arcane thunderstorm, lightning crashes and bangs and booms and centered where that storm is spiraling. In the eye of the storm, you might say, is this just huge stone fortress. And as you're pushing through the wind and the storm, really crunching this boulder through, uh, out of the corner of your eye, because most of your vision is taken up by this boulder, you start to see little black silhouettes in the snow that as you keep going, start to appear around you more and more and more until you're completely surrounded in the sea of these little black wisps. Whatever you are selling, I'm not interested. You see these bright yellow eyes peer at you and you feel something very familiar, Emotep. You feel feline hatred beaming at you. I fed him, I cleaned the litter box, I don't know why he didn't like me. I did everything right. (laughs) And as you're pushing the boulder, saying that as your voice is getting ripped away by the wind, uh, you hear all of these little creatures speak at once in unison, boomingly loud in order to be heard over the storm. Young master is expecting you. They all sound like rot spell. Oh, that's too cool. For context, this is a reference to Grayson's character in that spin-off hell campaign I mentioned. We'll have more information about that when it's further along. So as you finally make your way where this little sea of little black smoky cats are following you in. You pass through this giant doorway and you see these words engraved above in the arch. There are few problems that cannot be solved and beneath it in tinier writing through the application of overwhelming arcane fire powder. As you cross through the threshold, the shadowy cats blast past you and pour in around you and when they get close you hear their hissing and their grumbling and their moaning as they just they get irritated by being in your very presence. Look, I have a cat friend. He's just not here right now. <laughs> and they flow past you back into the shelves and the shadows of the lab equipment and book diagrams and runes and tablets. And as the door closes behind you, this room is much more quiet. There is still magical energy in here and it's thick, but it's being filtered and processed and cataloged and charted into the numerous amount of books and catalogs around you. And as you have your boulder nicely secured in this location, you see one little cat come up to you and say, the master has been expecting you. Follow me. Um, He is going to push the boulder and follow the little kitty cat. And he guides you up these stairs because you haven't dealt with enough stairs already. What is it with you devils and trying to be higher than each other? (laughs) And above you, you see this very large form sitting upon a giant stool. These lighthouse-sized eyes are just staring unblinking at a giant tome in front of them. A wizard hat the size of a room sits upon its head. Uh, 
and then the little cat minion turns and says to you, Hello, I am Chansey the Expendable, and I will be speaking for Master Mephistopheles today. Chansey the Expendable? Yeah, Chansey. Love it. <laughs> the master says, You reek. You reek of the stink of his abyssal counter, the mysterious cat. He says the residue of where he gnawed at your soul still remains. Kind of reaches his hand toward his heart. Like, one hand on the boulder still, of course. But, like, reaches <laughs> his hand toward his heart, kind of, like, feels his chest. Make a charisma saving throw. Oh, goodness. Here we go. Oh, my charisma's actually not that terrible. Uh, I say that as I get a total of 10. Awesome. <laughs> With a 10, your abyssal patron still cannot reach you down here. You said you were going to protect me, just saying. The, uh, y- yes, I may have made friends with another certain pussycat. Yes, he knows him very well and very daring of you to even stand in his presence with that stench. Don't have much of a choice. The master would love to dissect your skin, split apart every fiber of your muscle and crack through your bones and analyze the very marrow where that echo of that spirit remains. I'm pretty sure that I have two extra ones and I know that plenty of people in the party would be happy if they were gone. Wonderful. Yet, the master cannot touch your soul that way here because unfortunately you are under the contract of Asmodeus and you are a very, very lucky rat. Not a rat. (laughs) You are in the presence of his master, so you are a lab rat to him. Some guinea pig, at least they're cute. (laughs) And there's something you need from the master, correct? I believe it is a signature. Yes, yes. And though he cannot uh, destroy and reform your soul over and over again, there's still something you can do for the master. Oh, please don't say it's a second boulder. (laughs) (laughs) As wonderful as that would be, the master has no need of experimenting seeing a spirit roll two boulders. (laughs) (laughs) Meaning he's done it before. (laughs) (laughs) You see, this is only the second layer of hell. And it's assumed that you will be passing through here many, many times. Perfect for the experimentation. Oh boy. The master will give you a key, but each time you pass through here, you will be inflicted with one dose of unknown magic straight from the source. That way we can catalog what effects it has on you. If you will just sign this waiver here, we can get her process started. (laughs) Um, So Imhotep looks at the contract. Does it count now that I have to have a piece of unknown magic attached to me? Yes. We wouldn't want to waste the opportunity. You're lucky I have no real choice but to sign. So yeah, he'll sign on the dotted line. I'm surprised you didn't even want to read it, but I'll read it to you anyways, because I'm just that nice. Okay. It states that I, Mephistopheles, not me, that big guy up there, am not responsible for the condition of your soul post-experiments. As long as it, your soul, can still complete the previous contract established by the Devil Lord himself, Asmodeus. So, you have signed, you get your key, and we shall work to see what magic you are inflicted with. While that rolling is happening, as you get this ethereal key, 
you are essentially handed a small sigil that attaches to the boulder, and it shrinks slightly. Oh, It is still enormous. But it's not as enormous. It reduces by one-eighth of its previous size. Your feet always sink at least one inch into any surface you walk on. (laughs) (laughs) Like sludging through water or mud or slime, your feet start to melt into the surface as if it was liquid. So, um, Imhotep signs the contract and the the sigil appears, boulder shrinks, and he gets a little lower into the ground and he's like, why do my feet feel just slightly damp? (laughs) As just the very stone beneath your feet is just pouring over your ankles and slinking upwards. Uh... And you see Mephistopheles for the very first time kind of look over his shoulder, kind of give a little bit of a purr, and then you see this giant quill come out swirling around and starts writing something down in the giant tome. And he flicks his tail back and forth. And in one of those tail flicks, you see a spark of electricity hit the wall, and it opens up the portal, the next place for you to go. I hope I do not have to come back here again. (laughs) <laughs> just, just straight up, just, I don't want to talk to this cat again. <laughs> and <laughs> We're back to pushing the boulder. As you take the, bol- the boulder and start pushing it out uh, into the portal, uh, you pass by uh, a, a cat with some orange goggles, taking some notes about a chain of cat spirits all glued together at the hand. And they're all singing a little ditty to each other. I get so clever, magical master, Mephistopheles. Grayson, if you want to have a small cameo, here's your chance. Yeah, what do you say? To say something as Rotspell. Yeah, as you're taking notes about your chain of glued together cats. He's taking notes and then all of a sudden he's just kind of like, Ah, so... I wonder if this would ruin his time any more than it is. And he just casts grease on uh, on the boulder. Good job, Rob. No. And you lose your grip, and the greased-up boulder flies out of your hands and careens back down the way you came all the way to the bottom. Oh, <laughs> oh no! Um, yes, yes, oh yes, my God. hell yes! I look at the little cat. I kind of crouch down. Do I have my magic while I'm here? You do. Little friend, you look like you could use a bath and I use create water to douse him. Oh no! It's okay. I'm covered in grease and grease is, you know, got that layer that doesn't let me get wet. Oh my god. It's hydrophobic grease. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. That's so awful. But yeah, the water just like <laughs> awkwardly beads off of him and rolls onto the floor. And as you take the time to cast this spell, you're just continually sinking further and further into the ground. I watch water roll off a rod, but I'm just like, what are one of the most gross things I think I've ever met? Huh. I just start walking. I just start the long walk all the way back to Asmodeus. <laughs> I honestly did not think it was going to be that bad. <laughs> that was awesome. Thank you so much, Grayson. All right, now cutting back to the team. So, as you pull back into Stratford, hey, 
Okay, I remember oh. this. Oh, oh my god, there's some shit going on over there. Damn. Oh, okay. crap baskets. Everyone's in the unmagic party circle over here. Mm-hmm. The nest is surrounded by guards. Yeah. That are still kind of keeping a watch on everything from a distance. And most of the town is gathered in proximity to the anti-magic circle, where a vast majority of the town's undead are sequestered inside, and the standard townspeople are muttering to themselves and watching with suspicious eyes as Gonzo is standing directly in the middle and is attempting to negotiate on both sides, given the developments with Dracula. Would I be able to look around to see if there's any hostility with the vampires basically showing that they're no longer on our side? Roll insight. Ooh, actually, my insight's really high. Uh, I think 25? Oh. 18, 18 plus 7? With a 25, things are very tense, but you can also tell that within the anti-magic circle, the undead that are in there are at odds with themselves as well as everyone else. There seems to be a lot of different opinions and divisions going on about the Dracula development. And you hear Gonzo saying, for the moment, things have not changed and things do not need to change. Remember the society that we have gone to painstaking efforts to keep stable. This town can coexist. It can be a safe harbor for humans and the undead alike. We do not need to take up arms against each other. And there's some rabble-rousing from some of the crowds. Daniel. (laughs) Remember, it's a different crowd. If you would like to tag in, nobody knows where vampires specifically stand in the scheme of things. And some people are pro-Dracula and pro-vampire. Some people are pro-Dracula anti-vampire. Some people are anti-Dracula pro-vampire, anti-Dracula anti-vampire. Right. Damn. We look all that last group racist. <laughs> <laughs> what side do we see uh, Marlowe and Maledict on? More importantly, what side is Orlock on? <laughs> your best friend. <laughs> He's on your side. <laughs> you overhear Orlock saying, Look, please, everyone, I just want a nap. You can all handle this without me. If I can be excused to just go over there and lay down. And all of the humans, all of the undead, all simultaneously look to him and say, No. No! no! There's one person in the back who goes, I wouldn't mind him leaving. I don't want to look at him anymore. He's gross. Yes, yes, we all know he's gross, but he's still a part of this, whether he likes to be or not. He turned into a spider and gave me the heebie-jeebies. All right, I guess that's fair. I like that the universal is everyone's anti-Orlock. <laughs> that's really what unites people. <laughs> you want to know why? Because when people just wanted to go take a nap and lie over there, he wouldn't leave them alone. <laughs> or he had to stop an entire town meeting just so that way he could have his community night. Right, right. Yes, he's a creep, but he's harmless. Wait, wait, are we are we creep? What are we doing? What's the game plan? Are we sneaking in? Yeah, if you guys want to insert yourselves into this... Um, Marlo and Maledict seem to be slightly more on edge than usual. Hey, Eric, do you have a couple more of those sun hats? Just the one, I'm afraid. 
Damn it. Okay. Hmm. Look, I will not be an issue for you for much longer. If you can just let me go, I will take my things and I will vacate this island. I will run away to somewhere else in Europe and this will no longer be a problem for you or I. Uh, from one of the anti-vampire people, you hear, oh, I had to clean his house. I lost a finger in a trap. His house is weird. I don't like him. <laughs> Neither me nor my house will be here for long if you simply let me go. Are you going to move the whole house? Oh, please don't ask him that. He'll never shut up about it. Now, listen. <laughs> Maledict, I understand your reservations, but you know that I will not be leaving. If you want to go and fuck off somewhere else across the country, then by all means, you go and live off your cowardly lifestyle while I tend to my responsibilities here. Ooh. Oh, the drama. I need some popcorn. I would say you do not need to over-dramatize this, but you need to over-dramatize everything. So I will not stop you. If you don't want to come with, you do not need to come with. But either way, I will not be here in a few weeks' time. You don't need to be here now. Oh, oh shit. Oh. Trouble in paradise. Gonzo's <laughs> trying to douse the flames. Nobody needs to go anywhere just yet. We still do not fully understand the situation. We do not know all the ins and outs, and we should not make any hasty movements until we see the full picture. And that goes for all of you. And then she looks down and sees all of you coming <laughs> into the town. I was about to ask if we wanted to make some hasty movements. <laughs> I am hastily skulking away. <laughs> Do we have to make a perception check to see if he's going anywhere? I'll let him go. How covert are you trying to be, Phantom? I take it that, like, there's a lot of activity going on, and everyone should probably be pretty invested in Gonzo and, and Marlo and Maledict. So I'm just, like, walking away with a purpose. If anyone is trying to see him, then roll perception opposed to stealth. But if you're not drawing much attention to yourself, you can just skulk away. I would like to roll perception. Yeah, I'm I'm doing the same thing. Okay, roll perception, phantom, roll stealth. Why you gotta make me roll? You know what happens. <laughs> <laughs> That's a five. <laughs> oh. oh, man. I rolled a ten, but my perception's a plus five, so it turned out to be a fifteen. And I got a six. Either way, both of those are above a five. So the two of you clock that Phantom is walking away. Whether you want to do anything about that or not is entirely up to the three of you. Can someone put a leash on this guy? I'm just going to look over and see him skulking away. And I'm just going to take a note of where he went. But I'm going to continue what's going on over here. But I just take a little mental note that Phantom is going that away. And I'll just call out to him and say, don't go too far. I need to get like those little baby harnesses with the leash. That like sproings back. I need to put one on Phantom and I need to put one on Invisible Man. <laughs> Why do I need one? Anyway, Gonzo looks back at all of you, sighs, and says, Oh, good. Just what I needed. More chaos. Tee. Carmilla's <laughs> eyes start tearing up. <laughs> Look, whatever you all did. Things are a bit tense right now, so you should probably be careful, especially since I, I see you brought back one of Dracula's spawn with you. Oh? <gasps> oh no! 
I, wait, hold on. She do... doesn't remember. <gasps> oh, 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 wait. This is like, Lucy, you've got some explaining to do. <laughs> and oh, no. Gonzo looks at Carmilla blankly and says, if you're trying to get away, this is normally a place where the undead have a place to stay. Things are a bit tense right now. We're getting things sorted out. Oh my God! Did their oh. entire relationship get expunged? Yeah, I think Major so. Major oof. Oh, I think I need a second. I think I need a second. Dracula, you bastard! Oh no, she no longer has eyes for me. Mary's just gonna look around, and see all the chaos, and Parmilla. So I decide to go into the middle of the circle, and I just look at Gonzo from safe distance and go, "Trust me, we have had." The shittiest day, and it is ten times worse than what you are all experiencing, because we were there in the thick of it. Now, do you want to know what really happened, or are you even willing to hear our story? Maledict will say, oh, hells, what did you idiots do? And Marlo says, well, I think it's pretty obvious what they all did. I mean, they failed to stop the resurrection of Dracula, and now he's sweeping a reign of terror across all of the British countryside. I feel like I noticed the obvious. I mean, yeah, good for him. <laughs> I look over to Maledict, I'm like, he's right. Dracula is back. We were not able to stop him. The only consolation prize that we have is Rainer, a.k.a. Renfield, is dead. We need... A place to rest. We need a place to recuperate and plan our next move. We did not come out of this unscathed. I assume you noticed that we have one missing person because that person's bones are in this goddamn bag. As I hold up the bag of holding. Is that a bag of weasels? <sighs> How did you know that? It's a trap object. That's my whole thing. <laughs> That's such a great fucking reason. I love it. God, I love Maledict. I just look at this. I'm like, can you untrap this? Well, I think if you were to untrap it, we would lose everything that's in there. We'll take everything out first. Yes, what he said. <laughs> everything that is currently in the bag will be ejected into the astral plane. Okay, we'll worry about that later. But for right now, and I look over to Gonzo, I was like, yes, tensions are high. And you seem to have misremembered that Carmilla over there isn't a spawn of Dracula. She has always been on our side, as she has been on yours. So we need to think of a plan, if we need to think of a way to stop him before he gets any more powerful. Because apparently his resurrection was just phase one of a grander scheme. What that scheme is, we don't know. But what we do know is that he's trying to become immortal. And there is not a safe place in whatever the hell you call this backwater country of yours, where we, as I point to all of us, can't be safe to stop him for good. Now, Lonzo, will you help us? Or do we have to leave you and your best chance of surviving the storm? You can stay here. And she looks hesitantly at the people that get more agitated as she says that. You can use this place as a safe harbor. 
but I have more immediate issues that I need to tend with in order to keep this place a safe harbor. I will not get in your way, but this problem is entirely your own. I realize that, and you have my word. As I look over to the rest of the group, I just nod, and I'm pretty sure the rest of the group will agree with me that if something were to happen here at Stranford, while we are here, we will do everything in our power to keep you and every single person here, human, vampiric, revenant, undead, alive, or somewhat alive, as I look towards the undeads, <laughs> and safe. As he points back at us, I just give a thumbs up in the air, like, yeah! Roll persuasion. Ooh. Okay. I was kind of wondering if Larry should Ooh. be the one that's talking, but I don't know. Nah, it's fine. <laughs> Ben's doing a killer job right now. He's got this. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, he's doing great. Ben's killing it. I'll just sit back here and twiddle my mustache. You got it. Thank you. Mira's going to apologize for like essentially drafting us into the Stafford defense program, but it's like it's the only way we could stay there because Mary got a plan. That's fine. Carmilla's wrapped up in thinking about exactly how many people have forgotten about her. Everyone. All the date nights lost. It was a straight 14. With a 14, Gonzo is convinced. The crowd is still incredibly skeptical of you. And looking at all of you with wary eyes, as Gonzo says, fine, pick a place to stay. Sleep here, regather your strength. Like I said, we will not get in your way, won't we? The humans kind of take a step back, and the undead breathe a small sigh of relief. Some of them, at least. <laughs> the ones that breathe. We'll stay out of your way, out of your affairs, and should the call to arms be called, we will answer it. As I go back towards the group, and I whisper to Larry and Jack, I'm like, Okay, I know I probably should have jumped in there without consulting you guys, but I thought that was the only way for us to get a place to stay. So I apologize, guys. I'll take the heat for this one. It's fine. You're good. I'm going to be in this hut as long as it's not occupied. It's like, I need some time to process things. Oh, sweet. We've got houses. <laughs> Where were you? Oh, uh, around. <laughs> hmm. So Ben. I as you've kind of gone off on your own and sequestered down in that house, talk me through what's going on. So first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to take the fucking bag of weasels. <laughs> I'm just going to take a deep breath and try and pull Imhotep skeleton out. Roll a d20. Fuck. <laughs> it's a three. Weasel! All right. So as you go to pull out Imhotep's body, as soon as it passes the lip of the bag, it morphs and shifts and transforms into a very large mummified weasel. Amazing. That lets out an exasperated squeak. Chitter, chitter, chitter. And begins to run. Roll sleight of hand. Oh, oh no. If he doesn't catch the weasel, and Imhotep comes back, can I come back as a mummified weasel? Oh, thank God. Uh, oh, it's a minus one, though. Uh, 15? With a 15, you are able to successfully snatch this mummified weasel. It is wriggling, writhing, and squirming in your hands and is deeply discomforting. I am. <laughs> creaking grease, creaking, oh. jerking noises. 
no, shit, 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 shit. And I try to shove the weasel back into the bag. Roll strength. Oh, thank God. Not that it's consequential at all, but Jack will be walking towards the hut that Mary pointed out. All right, yeah, so I'm going to burn my DM inspiration that I got last game because that was an eight. <laughs> that was even worse. Uh, nine. With a nine, the weasel breaks out of your grip. I fucking damn it. And runs out the door. I chase after it. An invisible man, as you are walking past this hut, the door flies open and you see this enormous mummified weasel clambering out towards you and sprinting full speed to try and get away. Uh, is there any way that I can do some sort of stupid acrobatics to tackle his legs to grapple? Do they snap off? I hope not. Because <laughs> he is mummified. Sure, roll acrobatics. Yay, so he'll take a running start and dive after the legs because he only sees the mummy bits. Uh, that is... Oh my god, that's a nat one. So with a nat one, as you leap to try and tackle just the feet of this mummified weasel, they snap off. Oh, the rest of the weasel oh. continues to run away, and the lower half is now a separate weasel entity. Guys, guys. Dan, I have a terrible idea. I'm going to transform into a dog. Work. <laughs> <laughs> oh. yes. Bark, bark. Jesus Christ! Weasels, weasels everywhere! Get the weasels! Go ahead and roll acrobatics, Wolf Larry. Oh, you got it. Oh, it's a two plus whatever my acrobatics is. Oh my Jesus God. Christ, y'all! Plus seven. What the hell? Eight nine. With a nine, you just miss. Okay. So okay. as you go to tackle it, it does not split into yet more weasels. Oh my God! Bark, 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 bark. Mary, what did you do? I didn't get Imhotep bow. I want to try and uncurse his bag. Uh, this was supposed to be a feelings episode, and now we're chasing weasels. <laughs> Why didn't we tell Gonzo? We weren't going to cause any trouble. Oopsies. <laughs> you didn't cause trouble. You caused weasels. Weasels. She should have been more specific. <laughs> this doesn't count. It's fine. <laughs> should have I literally this. told Gonzo that I was not going to get in their way. I wasn't going to cause any trouble. And here I am chasing after a fucking weasel. She's just staring at you blankly as the crowd is just starting to disperse and everyone's calmed down. She stares at the commotion, lets out an enormous sigh, and slowly sinks her head into her hands. Oh, we're so sorry, Gonzo. I feel like Betty Hill should be playing as we chase this fucking weasel. Absolutely. You know, specifically, it's like an ancient Egyptian remix. Oh, yes, God. Dan, you got this. <laughs> Editor Dan here. I was not able to get an ancient Egyptian yakety sax, but I was able to get the next best thing, which was a medieval yakety sax, courtesy of Middle Ages Music. All right, so Mary, it is your turn. All right, cool. I am just gonna run and try to catch that frickin' weasel. Ah, two. With a two, you miss. Mary, what have you wrought? <laughs> so now I'm jumping to Gonzo. 
who is going to cast no, no. Hold Monster. Okay. I thought she was going to, like, flame pillar or something. <laughs> In the late. Well, if she does that, if I remember correctly, if you destroy the weasels, we lose whatever item it was. Yeah. Yep. Mm. Which, since the weasel split in two, they each have half the health of the previous one. Oh, God. Okay. Actually, well, no, never mind. I was going to say, actually, I'll have her, she can use turn undead. No, because that will instantly kill it. No. Jack's been yelling out, don't kill them, don't so, kill them. No, she's going to use hold monster. So the weasel has to make a wisdom saving throw. The weasel rolled a five. So the top half of the weasel mummy is stuck in place and is magically writhing and trying to scratch and claw its way forward as it chitters away. The back half is still running away from Mary. So Jack, it is over to you. I will run over to the weasel, grab it by the nape of the neck and start heading back over to Mary with my last 10 feet of movement. Okay. Over to Wolf Larry. <laughs> I'm gonna run down this alleyway past Mary and try and swing around to grab the weasel. Go ahead and make a bite attack. You won't do any damage. This will be just to restrain. 18. With an 18, you have this weasel restrained. Don't shake your head and break its spine, please. I'm trying. I'm trying. It's really hard to resist. <laughs> I have the bag wide open. I'm like, pop it in, pop it in, pop it in. And the severed legs of Imhotep spawn back into existence within the bag. <laughs> you just, as, you, as the back half of the weasel hits, hits it, they just flop. Like, you have to, like, pick the legs up and push them back in the bag. Yeah. Uh, I think we got this one taken care of. What is this? It looks like Emotep? Yeah. Yeah, it is. My plan originally was to take Emotep out, give an empty bag back to Marlo, and have him untrap it so it could be just a regular magic bag that holds stuff. But apparently, nothing can go right today. Marlo makes his way over to you and says... Speaking of nothing going right today. Oh, God damn it. Hey, Hello, everyone. It seems there's been quite an eventful last few hours. You can say that. I wouldn't bother worrying about the bag if I were you, because you have bigger concerns. I have a proposition for you. All right, what is it? You see, you've caused quite a lot of chaos and pandemonium, which... Most of the people around here might be upset with you about. <laughs> but um, I, for one, stand to benefit greatly from this. Because the one certainty in times of great chaos, what is the one thing that everyone needs when everything is changing with extreme uncertainty all around them? They need information. This guy... <laughs> So my services are about to be far higher in demand. And I can't be everywhere at once. My network of gargoyles is a good surveillance system, but I could use a little more on-the-ground reporting. I would like to hire your services. He already hired me. Yes, well, I'm going to hire you again, so shut up. <laughs> <laughs> Here is an advanced payment. 100 gold coins for each of you. Ooh. Mark? Take your time to lay low for a few days. There is some social gatherings happening at a town just over to the west. 
We will have to maneuver through London, of course, so you'll need to keep your heads down, but um, there has just recently been a grand opening in the yes. town of Windsor. Yes. I hear your excitement over there, theater man. Yes. Oh, you calling that too? <laughs> Doesn't everyone? Bark. Anyway, we have unfortunately just missed the grand opening of the big art exhibit in the town of Windsor. However, within about a week, they will be opening up and displaying a brand new opera house. Oh. And they will be commemorating the celebration with a masquerade ball. And anyone who is everyone is going to be there. So I have not only an invitation, but a social obligation to be a part of it. Now, I can bring you all along as on-the-ground informants. I, after all, will be chatting up the socialites, but it might be beneficial for you as well as for me, beyond just the money that I'm paying you to definitely do this for me. <laughs> I never ask you fuckers for anything, you're coming. <laughs> that is exactly what I wanted to hear. So, lay low for a few days, and then we'll come along to a grand masquerade. Mm, bark. <laughs> bark. <laughs> That's all I can do right now. <laughs> it will be jovial, but things might still be hostile. The man in charge is... I'm i am fairly certain the man in charge is a vampire. There are a few other vampires around that town that are heavy in the socialite arena. So you'll want to still keep a low profile regardless. But that being said, still feel free to enjoy yourselves. I hear... The famous traveling opera singer Christine Daae herself will be there to give a grand performance commemorating the grand opening of this opera house. And I hear that she is quite a treat and a delight to listen to. Hey, Mary. Yeah? Where have we heard that name before? I don't know. Yeah, straight up, uh, not saying it. Shaken to the core. We are the outcasts. Misfits, you might say We deal with the nightmares that you run away from every single day We know the world is a gruesome little place But us outsiders, we've developed quite a taste For the grisly and morbid, the ghastly and the horrid We know it's awful, dreadful, but we like it Just another haunted night Shrouded with unearthly fright So when you're oh so terrified You know who to call The world is falling apart We'll never take it to heart So monsters and creatures and spirits and specters and all Let's all have a ball Thank you so much for listening to this episode of D&D Dark Created, hosted, and edited by myself Danger Dan Jers, with artwork by Jordan Nelson. And special thanks to our patrons, Dire Beast, Pyropat, Rusty Halo, Pink Shy Guy, CJ, and Sam Fife. If you want to join our cult and hear your name entered into the pool of credit shoutouts, as well as get access to our fan Discord, bonus mini-campaigns, and one-shots, then head over to our Patreon and sign up for only five bucks a month. If you want to help us out in other ways, then spread the word to your friends and family, or leave us a review at ratethispodcast.com slash dndark. Dean Dark's cast this episode is Jordan Nelson as Larry Talbot, the Wolfman, Aaron Coffold as Eric, the Phantom of the Opera, 
Daniel Cruz as Imhotep, the Mummy, Grayson Norman as Jack Griffin, the Invisible Man, and Ben Magnet as Mary, the Frankenstein Monster. This episode also featured Janae Pellerin as Carmilla Karnstein. Our theme song and outro is Let's All Have a Ball by Ryan White Maloney and Tony Carboni, recorded at True North Studios Las Vegas. Additional music this week was provided by Middle Ages Music. Listen to new episodes of D&D Dark Wednesdays, anywhere you find podcasts. On the ride back, I'm just talking about like, so my milk was like cherry flavored and the giant bowl, but I had this really <laughs> cool pair of overalls that, you know, I kind of miss. If I can find those, I definitely would try and pick them up. I was pink. You were I pink? Don't know why I f- yeah, I was pink. Oh, by the way, Carmilla, do you like chocolate? Who doesn't? Um, I sweat. I <laughs> <laughs> uh, used to. It was nice once. <laughs> what? What do you mean? You can't have chocolate? Not anymore. Why is that? It makes my tummy upset. Well, that's sad. Yeah. <laughs> One of the greatest tragedies of Larry. He can't have chocolate. <laughs> or grapes. Or grapes. No wine. You must never visit my hometown. I know. I'll die. <laughs> <laughs> I'll die on the spot. <laughs>